So uh, I, uh, I did want to take a moment and just give you guys a little context to us being in Gloucester and all that. I, so I, I do know that you guys are, um, you're one of our real like partner churches. Um, and, you know, so I have churches that partner with me, but Christ Church is like one of those real like substantial partners where I always, I always know you guys are praying, uh, you guys give, but I, and, and Pastor JD He's legit like a mentor to me. Um, your pastor, he hate he would hate that I say this, but he's like one of the most stable persons I've met. Like he just, like probably the reason why you're here in this church is because he's just so like a stable dude. He's just a, a great guy. Um, he's not in it for any other reasons. It's just he loves you guys. Like that's, and, and when you are gro- kind of coming up in ministry, um, and, and you're trying to find your way and trying to look for mentors, I've realized that I need someone like him in my life um, because it's very easy to get distracted. So I just love Pastor JD uh, so much. Um, I, he doesn't know this, but he's never going to get rid of me. Um, he's just like my mentor. Uh, I mean, like, and I just have that personality. Once I like you, you kind of like are stuck with me. Uh, you just ask my wife. She just kind of kind of happened. Um, but anyways, let me give you some context. So back in 2014, uh, I, was, I was working at a church, and, uh, and well, I moved back to New England. So I'm originally from Connecticut, but grew up in, in North Carolina. And I moved back to New England to be a part of a church on the North Shore called, called Netcast. It was a church plant, and uh, they're more established now. Um, but uh, I fell in love with Gloucester then, and I met my wife at this church, um, and we... Um, we got married within 10 months. It's like a whole thing. Like it happened really quick, but we just knew. And so uh, we, we got married and we're living in Gloucester. And we believe that God was calling us to plant a church then in Gloucester. Um, but I went through some assessments and they're like, look, you're really young. At the time I was like 23, 24. Uh, oh, I was probably 24, 25 when, when I did my assessments. They're like, look, you're really young. Why don't you just stay in ministry for a while? We're about to have our first kid as well. A couple different assessments. And they just came back and were like, look, just stay in ministry for a while. You're really young. Uh, we affirm your call, but like you need to grow a little more. I was just immature, right? I was, was 24, 25, uh, you know, newly married. And my story is I, I became a Christian. I was like 18 in rehab. So like I didn't have years of like growing in the church, right? Like I think God kind of plucked me out of rehab, put me in ministry. Um, and so anyway, so I did that. I listened. So godly advice said, wait, I waited. Uh, we ended up putting church planning. We called it like this. We kind of put it in a box and said, look, God, if you're calling us to do this, you're going to have to Make it super clear because we're going to put it over here and we're not going to talk about it, think about it anymore. We moved out of Gloucester. And within a few years, um, uh, we were still in ministry. We we were growing our family. Uh, Now have two kids. Uh, It's crazy to think about. Uh, Almost five-year-old and and almost two-year-old. They turn five and two in the next few months. Um, But uh, actually, my five-year-old, like next week or the 23rd. So whenever that is. Anyways. um, And so... Basically, December of last year, pandem- pandemic is going on, but we moved back to Gloucester because during the pandemic, I, was, I took a walk around. Uh, then I was living in Natick, and I was like, God, where do you want my life to be in five years? That whole conversation that some of us have with God. And it was like as clear as today. God said, I've called you to plant a church in Gloucester, and uh, it's always been Gloucester, and so now's, now's the time. I felt like that was like what he was saying. And so I talked to my wife. She's like, you're crazy that we can't, like that would, that would be insane if we moved back. And, but we began to really talk to some people, and God began to confirm that. And so went through some assessments, or through a assessment, um, and they, they gave us a thumbs up, and they said, man, you're ready, um, whatever that means, right? <laughs> 
I don't know what it means to be ready to plant a church. That is just, it's, it's a weird thing. But um, so in December, we moved. And so we've been on the ground in Gloucester planting Freedom Church, just getting people together right now. Um, I was still part-time at a church in Natick until June of this year, so we've been going at it slowly, just doing some, we call them vision parties that you'd mentioned, like cookouts. Uh, we did a baptism uh, in July, uh, so it's August uh, last month, and you guys are actually there, so some of you were, you took some photos for us and stuff. Um, and we're, then we're doing, we're doing a big event in September. I think uh, JD uh, said that some of you guys are going to be coming out helping us volunteer at that event. It's, it's going to be a big event for us where we serve the community and families for the very first time. And so early on for us in, in, uh, in Gloucester, planting uh, in the early stages, but God's doing some really cool stuff. My friend Juan is here. He's my neighbor. Uh, we got connected to him, and God's doing some cool stuff in his life. So a lot to be excited about, but I just wanted, before I jumped in, I just wanted to say thank you, um, honestly. And, and I say this in a non-cliche way, but like, we couldn't do what, what we do without you guys. Like, I mean it. Like, financially, we couldn't. Also, um, just, it's it's a hard thing to do what we're doing. Gloucester is very much like Charlestown in the sense that it's very towny. So that you're going, like, you're, you're dealing with people that have they've really never, what they called, made it, made it over the bridge, right? It's like an island. Yeah, yeah. Like, it's technically an island, they say. It's a man-made island, but I don't, I don't, I mean, so I don't know how true that is if you look at the, but I guess it is a man-made island. Um, again, Gloucester people, you just got to kind of, like, think about what they say. <laughs> They're just townies, right? They're just townies. They don't know any better. And so, um, but I, we love the city. My wife and my family, she couldn't be here uh, today, uh, mainly because the two-year-old and no kids ministry would have been tough, right? I'd have been like, yo, stop. Like the whole time I'm preaching, you don't want that to happen. So, um, but yeah, so thank you guys. I really mean it. Um, I love your pastor. I love this church. I'm so excited to be here and to jump in this series today. Been looking forward to it. I actually texted JD. I think I was, I was like, hey man, like if you need anybody, just let me know. <laughs> and he was like, well, actually I'm on vacation or whatever. So uh, August 15th, so you should come. So, but let me pray. And then I, I do have a message that I want to jump into this series and uh, that you guys are doing Unattended Fires in the book of James. I, and I, I really think today um, is going to be a tough message for us to really self-evaluate where we are uh, with God. And, and so I just want to prep you for that. Uh, but I do believe it'll be fruitful if we really uh, invite the Holy Spirit here to really convict us. Uh, preaching is a difficult task in the sense that um, I don't know you guys that well. And so I don't know where you are in life, but I pray that the Holy Spirit translates and meets you where you are. All right, so let's pray. Jesus, just thank you. Thank you for who you are. God, I just, I just want you to remove me, remove anything, any distractions in, in our hearts, whether there's people online or whether the people here in the room, so that they could hear your word, God, but also, and more importantly, see you, Jesus, for who you are. God, there's so much good news that exists in who you are, and I just hope and pray that the Holy Spirit will open people's eyes to who you are and the, and the good news that you have. So in Jesus' name I pray, amen. So as I mentioned, I have two kids, uh, five and two, and I love being a dad. I'll be honest, I didn't know I would like being a dad early on. <laughs> like, I didn't know the jury was out because um, I'm selfish, and kids, you know, they just— you can't be selfish with kids. They break that out because it's all about them. They're selfish. So this is the whole thing. Um, and, and, and so I, but I love being a dad. Like I love my kids to death. They, they have a lot of energy. 
Um, they don't listen that well, but I love them, right? Like they're my kids. Um, I, I just, the fact, like my kid made me, while I'm going to test this, I had already, I had mentioned something about not being able to find my gum. I found the gum. I left the house. He called me, this little five-year-old on, on the phone, like, hey, daddy, come back. I found your gum. Because he had taken some of my gum and put it in his, like, his, his little box. And so then he waited till I leave to tell me. So then I had to drive back. But I drove back because he's cute, right? Like, it's just, it is what it is. He, I, I was like, okay. So I walk in the house. He's like, and he, he goes in this long explanation about what happened to my gum. It's just, it's adorable. I love him to death. Love my kids. But kids are unpredictable, and they're not really wise. I'm just going to be honest. Like, I've noticed this because my kids, they, they just do things that are like, seriously, like, why are you doing that? Like, so, uh, for instance, I ran a half marathon recently, um, and I didn't do that well, just to be honest. So I'm not bragging about it. I wish I would have done better. But, uh, but my family were celebrating because I like to run. It was like my first big race. And, and uh, so my, my wife uh, was going to make homemade, like, fried dough. And because that's what, after a half marathon, that's what you eat. And so we went and we got some stuff. And, and so my wife is making this fried dough. And she doesn't know how to make it. She's, you know, like we're, we're trying to figure it out. We're all kind of as a family standing around this pan because we're really excited about the fried dough. And the oil starts popping. So you know when like oil's popping, you, you get bad. You don't want the oil. And so, but my two-year-old, he literally like was right under the pan and he would not move. I tried to remove him because I'm like, no, no, the oil's like, I literally, like, you ever, your kid ever yell so loud that you're, like, scared people are going to call the cops on you? Like, that's what, I was like, no, see, I'm trying to explain it to a two-year-old. Look, it's not, it's the oil. Like, I need you back. But he's freaking out. I'm like, well, look, fine. You know what? Go get popped by the oil. I don't care, right? It's just like, it's like a whole thing. And then there's another scenario where the same two-year-old, <laughs> uh, we, in our driveway, we, um, so we, so Gloucester, we have more land than Charlestown obviously, but I do live within the like city part of Gloucester. So we don't have a lot of land. So we have a backyard, a little tiny backyard. It's actually probably the square. It's probably this rug. That's my backyard. And, uh, and so the driveway obviously goes into the road because that's how it works. Um, so we bought a net. So we bought a net to kind of block in the kids so they can play in the driveway and the backyard. Well, my two-year-old put together that if he runs as fast as he can towards the road, I'm going to chase him. And, and because he, he finds it like just fascinating that he can go like near the road and play because we actually had a kid escape the net so it was like a whole, it wasn't my kid thankfully but it was someone else's kid it was a vision party actually and the kid got on the other side of the net and it was like a whole thing I heard yelling and then he was in the road it was in a very small kid and so every time I get outside with Gray it seems like he just does it he, he kind of waits and they just runs and he gets that belly laugh right you know what I'm saying but I'm like I, and I try again I try to explain to him Look, you don't want to play in the road like you're little. Like those, 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 you don't have nine lives. You're a kid. You're not a cat. Like it'll like, and he just it, it just you know. But but that's kids, right? They act like that as part of growing up. They're just not wise. They got to figure it out. So you're a parent. You got to be there to protect them and, and help guide them uh, because they they really they really don't know no better. But they're cute, so it's it's fine. Um, now, if you're an adult, you hear that. And you laugh because we, we, we know that. And even if you don't have kids, like you've seen kids, you know how and maybe you remember being a kid and a teenager and doing things and, and all that stuff. And, but we generally know that, hey, look, I know that I'm not going to get near oil when it's popping. I know I'm not going to play in the road because that's dangerous, right? And so we have that type of wisdom. But if we can be honest this morning, if we can really look inward 
I would say many of us really lack the wisdom that matters, and that's godly wisdom. We, we embody worldly wisdom in our life, but when it comes to true godly wisdom, real type of wisdom, we lack it. And you say, well, what's the difference? Well, the most simplest way to, to understand wisdom is this, like knowledge is, is knowing information. Wisdom is knowing what to do with information, right? We heard that all the time, right? So it's basically knowing how to operate in life, how to make decisions. And so godly wisdom, this is how I'll explain it. Godly wisdom comes from God. It aligns with who he is, right? So it comes from God, his word, the Holy Spirit, and it aligns with who he is. And the result of it is godliness, so it produces in us godliness. Worldly wisdom comes from the world. It aligns with what it is. And you can think of the world as like your fleshly nature. If you don't know what that means, it means you're the nature that you were born into that's just like naturally selfish. It aligns with what it is and results in ungodliness. See, I think a lot of us are like this, and, I, and I'm talking about myself as well. God, we laugh about the two-year-old, but God views us and he's like, why do they keep running towards the road? Why do they think that's funny? Well, why, why won't they get away from the oil that keeps popping? Don't they know? Because he has wisdom that he's trying to impart on us, but yet we keep missing it because we ultimately embody worldly wisdom. We walk around, for some of us, maybe with an arrogance about who we are and maybe even our faith. We think that we know it all. We think that we know how to operate in situations. We find ourselves, some of us, in bad financial situations that don't honor God whatsoever because we maybe listen to what the world had to say about what to do with our finances. I'm not saying that you, you may have money, but having money and being godly with your money are very different things. We find ourselves in relational problems because of how we operate within our relationships in an ungodly manner that doesn't honor God. We find ourselves creating maybe, for some of us, drama within the church context because we're naturally focused on ourselves. We find ourselves maybe in seasons that we never expected because we made some decisions that we regretted. And see, we may not be unwise like a child, a two-year-old, but for some of us, like our heavenly father, when he looks at us, he's scratching his head. He's like, why aren't they allowing me to guide them and protect them? See, and the problem with this is massive. Like, if you're, well, first of all, if you're a Christian, you know the God who has infinite wisdom, but yet you're still not operating in that wisdom, right? So you're not allowing him to really truly guide you. But the real problem here is that worldly or, or godly wisdom actually produces in you godliness and worldly wisdom doesn't it's just that simple and so it's kind of easy to see people when you look at their life you can see well there's some issues there because wisdom actually produces something in the way that you live and so a question i just want to answer today i usually just try to answer questions when i preach and uh it's just what wisdom is actually guiding you I just want us all to be self-reflective today because we're going to go to God's word in James and he's going to unpack this even more. And so begin thinking what, actually, what actual wisdom is guiding us. So we'll be in the book of James. I'm going to assume that you guys have walked through some background stuff with James. You guys have been in it a while. I read this week, though, that the book of James is like a, um, the Proverbs of the New Testament. So it's very practical, right? 
you know, if you have faith, you're going to have works. That whole, that whole teaching, right? If, if you believe in Jesus, there's going to be some visible stuff there, fruit uh, works in your life. And in chapter 3, James actually says, if you, the wisdom that you have, it actually is connected to how you act. He goes into this whole thing um, in regards to this. And, and, and in the context of chapter 3, who he's talking to in the verses that we're going to read are actually teachers of God's word. And, um, and, and, and so they basically thought that they were wise because they could explain this book. But James is saying, no, like, you're not wise, and here's why. Because you're selfish. Because you're ungodly. And he begins to unpack that in this, this text. And so here's, I know that many of us don't teach God's word. But I would say that many of us may think that we have some element of godly wisdom in our life. But our life, and I'm including myself, and I'll touch on a little bit on that at the end, says a different story, right? So let's go with an open mind to this text and look at what James has to say here. In verse 13, chapter 3. Oh, look at that. It's right behind me. Perfect. A little graphic and everything. Um, Who is wise and understanding among you? By his good conduct, let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast and be false to the truth. This is not the wisdom that comes from above, but is earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder in every vile practice. But wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial, sincere, and a harvest of righteousness is shown in peace by those who make peace. And so James, he, he starts off by posing a question. Who is wise and understanding among you? And he says, oh, you think you're wise and understanding? He goes, let your meekness of wisdom, let your humility show your wisdom. And then goes into this, this rant that if you have wisdom that's not from above, it's dysfunctional, it's selfish, it's jealousy, it's bitter. And then goes in by saying, look, wisdom from above produces a sense of purity, peaceable, good fruits, a harvest of righteousness. So what is he saying here? Well, when he says the word wise, he's talking about what we've been talking about, knowing what to do with information. Um, another way to understand it is a general understanding of life's principles. Um, it, the word understanding is about being skillful and kind of like a scientific type person. So basically, James is talking about how we approach life and how we live out our life. He warns that there's a connection between who we are as people and the wisdom that we say is guiding the life that we live. And he lays out clearly that there are two types of wisdom in this world. This is very practical. And the two types of wisdom is wisdom from above or wisdom that's not from above. Another way, another words that you can use here are godly wisdom or worldly wisdom or true wisdom or false wisdom. And so I just want to Again, I think this will come on the screen. What wisdom is guiding your life? Ask this question. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to unpack this in godly wisdom first, and then we're going to go back to false wisdom, worldly wisdom, okay? So in, in the first, uh, really, it starts in verse 13 and then 17 and 18 as well. He talks about this wisdom from above. This is godly wisdom. Well, in Proverbs 9:10, this is the starting place for wisdom in the Scripture, the foundation, 
The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. This is a very famous verse that unpacks for us kind of the biblical standpoint of what it means to be wise or to understand how to have wisdom. And he says it's, it's the fear of the Lord. That's where it begins. Now, the fear part is not being afraid of God. You're not hiding under a table. It's this idea of honor and awe and respect. It's believing that God is ultimately supreme. And so because of that, you honor and respect him and you surrender to that. So one way to thinking about godly wisdom is that you ultimately will look to God for everything in your life because he's supreme, you're surrendering to that, and so everything in your life, you're, you're running to him, you're looking to him, you're talking to him, you're asking him, what decisions do I need to make? He becomes the source of all things, right? You know, because God is supreme, you are not, and the world is not, therefore you're gonna run to him and talk to him and ask him and go about everything in your life through him. That's godly wisdom. That's, that's where it starts and ends. That is the foundation. And what happens is it begins to produce in our life actual godliness. And he begins to talk about, he says, humility, this meekness. Does your life actually have display a sense of humility and meekness? Because if you have godly wisdom guiding your life, you're going to know that, hey, you're not supreme. God is. You have a sense of of awe and wonder with God, which produces a humility in your life. Purity. This isn't really about sexual purity. This is about this idea of you're purely following God and submitting to him and surrendering to him despite your own personal considerations. Like it's, it's, Godly wisdom produces in you a sense of pure motivation towards God. You're saying, I'm all in with God no matter what. You're peaceable. In your relationships, you are not a tornado. <laughs> you are a sense of peace and a sense of calm in your relationships. Because when things arise and issues arise, got, you go to God and you allow him to, to begin to inform in how you operate in those relationships, in the church community. You're more of a blessing than a burden. Basically, you have good fruit, it says. And it's just this idea, like, if, if you are allowing godly wisdom to dictate your life, there will be good fruit from it. Like, your relationships, your decisions, like, things. now, will your life be a, a, a ball of perfection? No, like, that's not what this is saying at all. But you will just, you will have fruit in your life that will be clear. You'll have a sense of godliness, and your finances will honor God. Your decisions will, your, your decisions that you make. That's why this is called true wisdom. Because ultimately, godly wisdom enables you to, to get where God wants you to get. He enables you to be where God wants you to be. It enables you to get what God wants for your life and he's designed you to have in every aspect of your life. Your decisions, your, your career, your finances, all of those things. Understanding that God is supreme and you're going to surrender to that. So you're going to look to him for everything. That is that godly wisdom. It allows you to get to the godliness that God desires for your life. And so the question is, is that, is that really what's, what's guiding you day in and day out in your life? And for a lot of us, including myself, I feel like we operate in and out of that. Because when you look at this otherworldly wisdom, wisdom not from above, in verses 16 through, um, 13 through 16, I think of it like this. If godly wisdom is seeking God and honoring God with your life, worldly wisdom says, 
I'm just going to think of myself and what I want. Because basically, the world and you become supreme. And so you do things like follow your heart, only do what you need to do to, to, to make sure you and your family are okay. It's earthly. It's unspiritual. It doesn't think of the things of God. It's demonic. Now, I, thought, I know we, we, we talk about demonic as like the scary ha- Halloween thing, but like demonic is really anything that is not of God. It's, it's, it's evil. And so basically what happens with worldly wisdom is we operate in our lives based on ourselves and what we want and what we desire and what could be best for us. And if you live your life like that, I'm telling you, it will end badly for you. You will be unfulfilled. You will feel empty inside because that is not how you were designed to live. But yet, that's how a lot of us, we live that way. And so what happens? Well, we become, we have this sense of selfish ambition. You ever met people like this that is just like, they're consumed with their own wants, their own desires, And so they just have this ambition that is so wrapped up in themselves and what they need for their own lives. And they have no concept for the things of God and the kingdom of God. It it just, it's hard for them to understand because they're so focused on themselves. A lot of people like this, they build big retirement funds. And they have have all this money and their family is set and they are great. But yet they're not generous. Does God want you to save for your time? And absolutely. Like, be wise. That is a wise thing to do. But if you think that doing stuff like that at the, at, the, um, at the altar of being a generous person, if that's okay, like, that's not godly. God wants you to be generous and trust him. So that may mean that you don't have as much, but you are living with an open hand. And I've never met anyone to outgive God, by the way. It's not, we don't do that for that reason, but... We, we pursue dreams that sometimes cost us, cost us our family in the process. We feel like, oh, the world says we got to work so hard. We got to be a certain person. We got to have a certain title in our life. And so we, we work too much. And as a result, we sacrifice our family. You think that's godly? No, that's, that's, world, that's what the world says. Work as hard as you can. Be as great as you can. And uh, if you get time to spend time with your kids, that is, that's not... The world would say that's wise. And I would, I would say some of the, most of the world would say, no, that's probably not wise. But godly wisdom would say, no, no, that's not the point. It's not the point. It's not about you. But ultimately, worldly wisdom leads you to vile practices and disorder, right? You saw that there. Vile practices, again, it's just evil deeds. And again, I'm not talking about anything scary, like a little ghost outfit or anything weird like that. It's just talking about like you, it, it, you become ungodly. You don't represent or embody the things of God in your life. Your finances, your career, your parenting, your Christian community that, that you're in. Like nothing, it just, and I'm not saying that your life is a disaster either. So this is the tricky part. Like you can follow worldly wisdom and live a pretty comfortable life. You just, what I'm saying is that life that you've built is just not godly. And it means nothing when it's all said and done. Because you've allowed worldly wisdom to guide you. And that's why this wisdom is called false wisdom. It's because ultimately it leads you to the place where God tried to protect you from. The place that says it's all about you and you are left empty and alone 
and in a bad spot. See, for a lot of us, this is the wisdom that we're marked by. I know in my life, I've walked in and out of this, right? Like I have, I've been, I've been in really bad financial situations at knowing God. I've like made bad, because I made decisions based on not trusting God, but like worldly wisdom. Like I've, I've been there. I've made, I've had sin problems that were based, that led, if I, if I look at the, the, the inception of where that started, it was me not listening to God and allowing God to guide me in this way in his wisdom. So I've been there, and, I've, and, I've, and so when I'm reading this, this, this past couple of weeks, I'm like, man, this is real life, right? Like, we have to let godly wisdom lead us and guide us, right? And this is, this seems heavy, but if you think about it, like, if you've ever read Galatians 5, this is talking about the works of the flesh and the works of the spirit. Like, if, if you're listening to godly wisdom in your life and allowing that, you're, you're operating and walking in the spirit, but if you're listening to the world and listening to yourself, then you're operating in your flesh, your sinful nature, that nature, that part of you that is not godly, right? And the end result of those extremes are godliness or ungodliness. And that's what we're talking about here. Like when you look at this parallel between what James is saying and what Paul was saying, it's very similar. But when you are, are, are really allowing God to guide you with his wisdom, you will not be perfect, not saying that at all, but people won't look at you and see chaos and disorder all the time. They won't see a, a, an underlying sense of selfishness and conflict with every person you interact with. The, what they'll see is someone that is trying to walk with God and let God lead them. And as a result, there's a sense of godliness. Not perfection, but just godliness. A sense of repentance and, and, man, I love God. I'm trying to do this the best that I can. And the way that you handle your money reflects it. The way that you handle conflict, relationships, it all flows from who God is because you know God is supreme and you're surrendered to that, that element. And so how can we let, this is a practical question as I wrap up, how can we let true godly wisdom guide our life? Well, in John 15, it says this, this is Jesus, abide in me and I in you. And as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, Neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine and you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. From apart from me, you can do nothing. So Jesus says, look, if you abide in me and I in you, that's talking about the, you become in a personal relationship with Jesus by the power of the Holy Spirit. You are in Christ in that moment. But when you live your life and walk with God, what that looks like is surrendering and abiding in the person of God and walking with him, walking in the spirit. You can say it a lot of different ways, but it's talking about fellowshipping with God and surrendering your will to his will because he is supreme. And that's what this looks like. You wanna let godly wisdom guide your life and dictate your life and what you do and the things of God, then it's really surrendering your will to his will and abiding in that relationship and fellowship daily with God. It's opening up to his word. It's talking to God. It's, it's, it's being in community with people of God. So when you, get, when you get confused about what you do, what's godly, what's, what's not godly, you can talk to people. All of that is this abiding in God and allowing him to ultimately guide your life. And so my heart today is just really simple. Like, are you actually allowing God's wisdom to truly guide you? And, and, and to, to really dictate 
everything in your life. Like that should be the goal of every Christian is that God is the source of all things. Like don't, like the saying like put God first, like you should put God at the center and just allow everything to flow from that, that posture of your heart. See, some of us, we think we're wise, but God is chasing us towards the road. He's trying to remove us from the oil pan because we keep doing things with our, maybe with our relationships or our finances or our careers. And God is saying, no, 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 trust me. I'm, I'm God, surrender to me, trust me. And this may not seem practical or, or wise in the world's eyes, but it's wise because I'm telling you to do it. You know, when I moved to New England, I was telling Juan this on the way up here. I had $500 in my pocket. I, I didn't even have a job. Like my uncle's looking at me like, what are you gonna do? From the world standpoint, it was a very unwise thing to do. But it was godly wisdom because God said go. And I surrendered to that. Now, I'm not trying to make myself the hero of this story because again, I can tell you other ways where I didn't do that. And I've had to repent and walk with him. And so I'll close with this verse, Ephesians 5, 15 and 16. This is just the best way I know how to land this. Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. And Paul urges us to live wisely. And again, when you think of the word wise here, think of godly wisdom, the beginning or the fear of the Lord, knowing that he is supreme and, you're, and you're, you're surrendering to that. He's saying, look, the days are evil. We live in a world, it's just, it's ungodly. And the only way to truly walk and maneuver through this world is, is with this godly wisdom. And just watch what God will do in your life. I, I, like what God does in this is, like you get to actually live out and feel what God had planned for your life and designed for your life. It's a beautiful thing. It's hard though at times because you have to do things like move to New England with $500 in your pocket when people are looking at you a little weird. So there's, there's hard times, there's hard moments, but I'm telling you, God's fruit of that, there's always good fruit when God is leading that. There always is. And Sometimes you think it's gonna be an orange, but sometimes it's an apple. I don't know if that makes sense to you. Some of you got it, but I, I just felt like I need to say it. Sometimes what we think is gonna happen, it's the other thing. I've been there, right? I know that. But just hold on to him, surrender to him. And so if you're a Christian, that was my heart today. If you're not a Christian, I just hope and pray that you consider the benefit of what it means for those who can follow God. We have his wisdom, his love, we're in his hand. And, and the stubbornness of, of, of Christians is that we're in his hand, but we only, we're always trying to jump out. Right? So that's why, like, we're, and, and by the way, if you're not a Christian, we are hypocrites. Um, we are. Like, I'm owning that because we just don't do, we just, again, because you are too, though. So, like, let's just be honest. We're all hypocrites. We're all broken. We all need God. Um, and, and we're just stubborn because sometimes we get a little arrogant in our faith. Um, because we think we know it all, but reality is we need Jesus just like everyone else. And so I just pray that you would consider him because he loves you and he wants you deeply. And so I'm going to pray for us, and uh, I believe Nick's going to come in and close us out with, with a song. God, thank you so much for this church, and thank you for who you are. Thank you that you 
are allowing us, you, you've allowed us to come to you daily and have access to the wisdom that is in you. God, you are the creator of the stars, but yet you've said, if you lack wisdom, just ask. And so God, we love you and we thank you for your faithfulness in the midst of our unfaithfulness and how we continually are running from you in so many different ways, but yet you are chasing us and you are comforting us and you are wrapping your arms around us because you are the God of love and you just love us so much because we are not a project to you, but we are your child and your children. So God, we love you. It's in Jesus' name I pray, amen.